Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you were able to join us today. We hope that you're blessed by today's message from our youth pastor, Mitchell Fraser. This week, we're going to jump in. We're uh, doing another Fear Not, as we've been doing through this Christmas season. And this week, I'm actually talking about probably a a widely considered um, side character in the Christmas story. Uh, He's, you know, often overlooked in his role in the birth of Jesus. And, uh, you know, really, it makes sense, because at a quick glance, he doesn't really contribute much. We don't see him much in the text. But at a much deeper look, uh, he actually plays a pivotal role in our Savior's birth. This week, I'm talking about Joseph. You know, he's one of the most underrated players in the Christmas story. I mean, honestly, guys, if you think about it, we actually talk about the innkeeper in, in the Christmas story. We talk about the innkeeper more than we talk about Joseph. And the innkeeper is not even mentioned in the Bible. It just says there's no room in the inn. And we talk about the innkeeper more than we talk about the father of Jesus. <laughs> you know, this week I really want to uncover and start to um, really understand what it means to trust in God in the face of fear and uncertainty. You know, the bigger picture of life can sometimes be hard to comprehend when, we're, when we feel like we're living um, in, in a background when we feel unimportant, unnoticed, might feel like the understudy of, of, of the play of life. <laughs> but it's crucial to put our faith in God so that we can see just how significant we actually are in his plans for us, even if that's from in the background. So I want to start off by just reading through the story we're, going to be, we're talking out of today, and I'm going to pray, and we'll hop right in. So you guys can follow along with me. So it, it says, uh, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her promised husband, being a just and righteous man and not wanting to expose her publicly to shame, planned to send her away and divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You shall name him Jesus. The Lord is salvation. For he will save his people from their sins. All this happened in order to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to a son. And they shall name him Emmanuel, which when translated means God with us. Then Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary into his home as his wife. All right, let's pray. Well, God, I want to just thank you today. I thank you just for opening your doors, for letting us in, God. I pray right now you bless the people in your home today, God. You bless the people in your house today, God. Make them feel so noticed, so loved, so appreciated, God. I pray you just move in the service and that no one who walked in the doors today will leave the same as they came in. And I pray your, your spirit just rests heavy on the hearts and the minds of everyone here as it already has, God. Keep the fire going. I pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, before I really get into the, the meat of the message, I want to tell you guys a little story. Uh, I was about, when I was about eight years old, my uh, family took myself and my sister and a few of her friends um, to dinner and a movie, back when you could afford to do that with more than like two people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we were at Moxie's, and uh, we were going to Cineplex after, when that was the only theater option in the area. And we finished the meal. I went to go use the bathroom, 
and mom gathered all the, the other children and went to go walk to the feeder because it wasn't too far of a walk. And as she's leaving, she told dad who's up at the front paying, hey, uh, I got everyone else. Mitchell's just in the bathroom. Don't leave without him. Yeah, okay, sounds good. She left and walked over to the theater. Dad clearly wasn't fully listening um, because he finished paying, went and got in the car and drove over. Meanwhile, I come out of the bathroom. No one's there. Go up to the table, go to the front where he's paying, go outside. No one's there. I go back to the table, like maybe underneath. I don't... I, I actually went back to the bathroom thinking somehow I missed them when I was in there. <laughs> anyway, I ended up just going and um, sitting out in the main waiting area because none of the waiting staff was helpful at all to me. And um, just kind of sat there and started crying and just waiting, hoping they'd come back. And I know this is the saddest story ever. I feel so bad. <laughs> Mom, I love you. <laughs> the story just ties in really well, but I love you. I, there's, there's no hurt feelings about this anymore. Um, <laughs> so after wandering around for what felt like 20 minutes, probably like five, sat down. My dad gets over to the theater and he walks up. My mom sees him and goes, where's Mitchell? And he goes, what do you mean, where's Mitchell? He's with you. In that moment, they both realize. And mom sprints back to the restaurant faster than dad can get in his car and drive over. She bursts through the doors and comes and sees me just crying, sitting there waiting for them. And uh, you know what, though? I, I stayed and I waited because I knew they'd come back for me. And uh, I'm glad they did. <laughs> Honestly, though, I, th I thought they got raptured and I just hadn't made the cut. I was like, this is it. Apocalypse begins in Moxie's. Like <laughs> You know, though, reunited, we went and watched the movie and, and had a fun time. I probably got an extra bag of popcorn out of it or something. I, I hope I did. Um, you know, though, it's crazy how these moments, they really can stick out in our mind. Um, things like experiences that happen where we might feel like hopeless and lost, um, you know, even forgotten or unimportant. I promise that I don't feel that way, Mom. But, um, you know, it's crucial to really remind ourselves when we're feeling this way, you know, who's in charge and how big he really is. And this is why we really need to remember that we need to have faith in God even when we don't have the whole picture. Because it's easy to turn away from God in these moments where we're, we're lacking and uh, when we're, you know, we're going through testing and we're in moments of blind faith. Hebrews 11 it actually tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I tell you what, if that's not a description of Mary and Joseph and their lives, I, I don't know what is. <laughs> you know, this couple, betrothed, engaged to be married, um, they had their lives radically altered, and through their faith and obedience, um, it was really the only thing that they had to make them really survive. And that's a drastic statement, but it's, it's really true. Let me explain. In my research, uh, um, you know, I actually I stumbled across a deep dive into the life of Joseph um, by Brandon Robbins. Robbins. Um, it gave me some unique perspectives and insights on Joseph that I'm excited to share with you. You know, basically, the way it was in Jewish culture is when a couple became in, uh, engaged, they were, for all intents and purposes, married. Um, aside from the signing of the contract and consummating of the marriage, I mean, sorry, the um, ceremony and the consummating of the marriage, they were basically married. It was taken very seriously. And, uh, you know, they even signed legal documents and payments were made from Joseph and his family to Mary and her family. This was a big deal getting engaged um, back in that time. This commitment, it was taken very, very seriously. And this is why it's such a matter of life and death. 
you know, for them, we really, we see in uh, verse nine, it says, Joseph, her promised husband, being a just and righteous man and not wanting to expose her publicly to shame, planned to send her away and divorce her quietly. You know, he needed to consider this because they weren't married yet and therefore should not have been with child. You know, it was, it was a big thing in the time. You know, he's likely trying to protect her just as, as much as he could from not only the shame that would come with that, you know, this, this being coming public knowledge, but also it, it could have caused some really serious consequences for, for both Mary and himself, but for mainly for Mary. You know, in Deuteronomy 22, 22, uh, it says, if a man is found sleeping with another man's wife, both the man who slept with her and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. This is the law they're living with. You know, this is the potential fate awaiting Mary. A woman is soon to be pregnant by a man who's not her husband. She would have very easily had grounds for this kind of treatment. And if it, was never, if it wasn't taken this far, she at the very least would have been ostracized and um, just completely pushed out of her community and just shame um, and scrutiny. And this is why it's, it's so important to realize what Joseph was actually doing when he was planning on divorcing her quietly. You know, instead of publicly shaming and denouncing her, dragging her to the gate, stoning her and, and uh, rebuking her family, you know, instead of all that, he decided in his heart to dissolve the marriage contract, send her away to be hidden from the, same, the shame and the treachery, and uh, to even really have a chance of living out her life and to even have this baby and, and to, to save this baby's life. You know, we actually get to see Joseph protecting Jesus before he even knows he's a part of the story. Honestly, though, the fact that he was even willing to do that for Mary in and, in and of itself is, is dumbfounding. Like I said, Joseph and Mary were considered legally bound to one another. That meant basically Joseph's wife came to him pregnant, that would have been devastating. You know, he, he has to assume this, this woman cheated on him. No matter what she said, that's got to be his assumption. And this is still the path we see him taking. That's amazing. Really, the only assurance that Joseph gets comes in a dream. You know, the angel tells him, Joseph, descendant of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. You shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Because the fact that he stayed and remained faithful to Mary is an exceptional feat of fate. And it's significant for, for many reasons. You know, first of all, Joseph, you know, says he was an honorable man. He trusts this dream. Angel shows up to him, tells him, don't worry, baby's from God, you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to save the world. Joseph wakes up. I, I mean, if I'm Joseph, I'm questioning if the last thing I ate is ever worth eating before going to bed again, chalking it up to the most insane fever dream, and that's where it sits. Uh, like, that's crazy. The fact that Joseph not only believed the dream, but then also fully honored the wishes of the angel, that's just a commendable and astonishing act of faith. You know, secondly, and this one's huge, really, it's, it's kind of overlooked, he fully, blindly, wholeheartedly believed that Mary was still faithful to him. Without any other kind of proof, sign, or evidence, other than a dream he had. That, guys, in and of itself, is one of the wildest facts about the Christmas story that we just brush right over. Oh, yeah, of course. 
No, it's crazy. <laughs> Faith in God or not, guys, if my wife, Michaela, I love you so much, if you came to me and said, hey, Mitch, uh, I'm pregnant, don't worry, it's, it's not yours, but don't worry, um, it's God's. Yeah. I'd go, no. <laughs> like, the fact that he trusted her is astonishing. <laughs> you know, lastly, though, um, it's really significant because the child was born um, and, and he named him Jesus. Naming the child back in that time especially, it was a monumental thing for a father to do. We learned that in our first Fear Not series. We saw Zechariah. When John the Baptist is born, you know, the moment he, he can't see, his tongue, is, is, his mouth is closed. He can't speak for nine months. And the moment he writes the name, you know, he is John, he can speak. This is a significant responsibility and it really exemplifies the power of heeding God's promises over your offspring. And more, more honestly, it really exemplifies the power of naming that promise over them. So when Joseph names his child, he's, he's doing really two important things. One, he's claiming Jesus as his own by naming him. And two, he's accepting the responsibility and the authority that God's given him by being faithful to what God commanded him to do. From this point on, this won't just be some boy who lives in Joseph's house. It's not gonna be his stepson. No, Jesus will be his son. Fully integrated, part of the family. This is the responsibility Joseph was taking on when accepting this truth about his wife. You know, the, the burden he was willing to bear, the weight of, you know, the rumors and the slandering of his character he was going to endure. You know, Joseph was willing to incur the shame and risk being ostracized in his community by his friends, by his family, in the name of protecting someone who was, he wasn't even fully married to. That he assumed cheated on him. <laughs> Guys, this is a man after God's own heart. Essentially, Joseph was willing to put himself aside in order to deliver Mary from the terrible shame and potential death she was facing. He was willing to sacrifice himself in order to save her life. Does that sound familiar? I mean, that's what's so cool to me. Before Jesus is even born, we actually get to see a glimpse of him in this righteous man of God. And all of a sudden... Mary's not the only one chosen for this task. Mary's not the only one chosen for equality of character. Just by choosing to marry her, we actually get to see why Joseph was so important to have been chosen for this task. You know, as much as God is his heavenly father, Jesus was also fully human. The Bible makes that clear. And he needed an earthly father who could bring him up and set an example of what it means to be a son what it means to be a man, what it means to be a father. And because of this, Jesus actually ends up being a reflection of both his heavenly father and his adopted earthly father. And in each, we get to see true love. We get to see sacrifice. We get to see humility. Laying one's life down for others. Guys, this is exactly what Jesus has done for you. As Pastor Greg would say, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
Guys, by Joseph acting in faith, even in his limited understanding, we get to see just how amazing of a man he actually was. He's living the example we see in Psalms 34, and it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Joseph sought the Lord and when the Lord answered, he was not afraid of the shame, the ridicule, being outcast, for he trusted in God and nothing was greater than that. And I, I know I, I know these are things that Mary also had to go through. We learned that last week, so don't misconstrue that I'm saying only Joseph went through this. This is a, an important and monumental thing that both of them went through. But what we often don't think about is that this also impacted Joseph. And I, I, would, I would wager to say it actually impacted him more, especially in that day and age. You know, we see the Bible calls Joseph an honorable man. I'm assuming the people around him also thought that. I doubt the Bible would just throw that in if it didn't mean anything. I'm sure everyone in his life felt he was an honorable man, had morals and good, just ways. You know, but the moment he chooses to follow the plan that God has set before him, he walks straight into a wall of people now questioning his character, now questioning his motives. You got a woman pregnant before marriage? That was a really big deal in the first century. Really big. You know, Mary made the choice to follow God. She accepted the call God had for her, and now Joseph has to either follow along, upheave everything in his life, or just leave her to figure it out on her own. Those are his two options. This is why it's so important that we put our faith in God even when we don't know what the future might hold. Even when we don't have the full picture, even when we feel unimportant, forgotten, uninteresting. When things don't make sense and we feel like nothing happening in our lives is good or has a purpose, these are often the moments God can really shine through the brightest as long as we're willing to put our faith first in him. And guys, I can promise you that the only reason Joseph was willing to go through with this, to do what he did, was by his faith in the Lord. There's no other explanation, really. It doesn't make sense on paper. It's kind of a confusing thing for him to have done. You know, through him, though, we get to see that when we place our faith, when we place our trust in God, we can be assured he's going to answer us in our time of need. For, the, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God has our future in the palm of his hands. He is faithful when we feel shaken, when we feel unsure of what lies ahead. Just as Joseph demonstrated, when we are willing to be faithful and put our trust in God and, and let him take us to the places that he's bringing us, believing him to guide us, you know, it's sometimes, it's extremely challenging when we're unsure of the future. But it's important to remember that God is alongside of us every step of the way. When we trust in him, the limits of what he can do with us really are unimaginable. He can take you just where you're at in the midst of your problems, your issues, your trials and your pains. In the face of all that would seem to make you ineligible to be utilized, God can still use you. 
Guys, God can still use you. You might not feel like the most important person. Might not feel like the prettiest person. Might not feel appreciated. Might feel overlooked and forgotten. Guys, that doesn't make us any less likely to be candidates used by God. As I've mentioned a few times in this message, Joseph, he's not what you consider the focal point of the Christmas story. And yet the impact he has, as we've seen, was tremendous. He trusted in God with no sense of the full picture at all. He took on Mary's mantle of shame, brought his very pregnant wife all the way to Bethlehem for the census they had to do. Everyone had to come back to Bethlehem and fill in a census, you know, who they were, all the lineage, all this kind of stuff. While she's there, she gives birth to Jesus. And Joseph names him Jesus, just as the angel had directed him to do. This is what Joseph is doing, the calling he's fulfilling. And unfortunately, as we know, this all took place in a manger, in a stable with the animals. Because there's no room for them in the inn. And you know, um, in Luke, we actually see there's a different word instead of inn. And some other versions, we get some different words. Scholars even believe, um, you know, there might be a better translation from in. And um, the other word we see is actually the guest room. There was no guest room for them. It makes sense. Joseph returning to his hometown for the census. Everyone's coming back, right? People are returning because um, the king ordered. So everyone had to come. Everywhere's going to be full. That makes sense. But when we think about the idea of it being a guest room, not an inn, well, of course, Joseph's going back to his hometown. Someone in his family, surely, is going to have a guest room for him. One of his friends, one of his close people he grew up with, they've got to have a spot for him and his pregnant wife, and yet there is no guest room for them. This is the shame that they're taking on. His family looks at him and says, look, she's about to bust. You know what? Just get a roof over your head, go sit with the pigs, and then get out. <laughs> Sorry, that's probably a crude way of... Describing that. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> you know what, though? He's, he's offered the stable. That's all he gets. Because there's no room in the hearts of his family for what he's done. This is the shame that he's willing to take on from Harry. Because that, that, that is how serious this offense was in that time. And, and that's not even the half of what Joseph's done. No, from there, they go into hiding for years in Egypt from, from, um, from King Herod and his son because they're on the hunt to kill the king of the Jews, their son. So they're in, they're in hiding. All the while, Joseph's listening to direct, the direction of the Lord in dream after dream after dream, guiding him on where to go bringing him all the way back to Nazareth, fulfilling the text that Jesus was to be a Nazarene. Faithful, faithful to God. And all of this because his betrothed chose to carry this burden for the world. That wasn't even his choice. And yet none of it would have been possible without him. Without his faith in God's plan, no matter how little it made sense, no matter how hard it was, no matter how much it destroyed his life as he knew it, Joseph is one of the backbones of the Christmas story. And yet to so many, he's just Mary's husband. Guys, in a world where people are so consumed 
with being the main character of the story. In a world where there's, people are so involved with self, it's so important to see this, realize, this story sorry, and realize that Joseph, he was not the main character of the story. And God used him to bring us Jesus. Without Joseph, none of this would have been possible. I know there's many people in this journey you can say that about, but it's something that we don't consider about Joseph. Without Joseph, this wouldn't be possible. We don't have a Christmas story without Joseph. And this is why it's so important to be humble. It's so important to be faithful in the little things and keep our eyes focused and fixed on God and faith for the plan that he has for our lives. Because when we start to compare ourselves and our lives to the people around us, try to emulate those things in the people around us, try to be what we're not, we're going to lose sight of the plan that God has set for us. Guys, when we try to be someone we're not, we can miss what God has for us. Just because we might not feel noticed, might not feel loved, might not feel appreciated, doesn't mean that we aren't. Just by getting up in the morning, by going to work, by providing for your family, by cooking, by cleaning, by making a bed, keeping your family together when times are tough, coming here, getting up on a Saturday morning and coming here. Guys, these are the things that go unnoticed and unappreciated and undervalued in your life that make you truly the hero of the story. Even when it doesn't feel like it. It's hard because it rarely feels like it's important. But guys, these are the things that God can use best to further his kingdom. These seemingly small, inconsequential little moments are what God uses to create some of the biggest change in the world as we know it. I can say that confidently because we see it tons in the Bible. David defeating Goliath. He was a nobody shepherd. Took down a giant. Gideon defeating the Midianite army. He was the least in his family of the least family of the least tribe. And he defeated a whole huge Midianite army. (laughs) It's crazy. Esther literally risking her life. A nobody. Risking her life to go see the king to save her people. It's crazy how much we see this in the Bible. But perhaps the best glimpse we get of this is in the story of Rachel and Leah. To take you through this story real quick, you know, um, it starts with a young man named Jacob. He's on the run from his brother Esau for stealing his birthright. Crazy story. Go check it out. <laughs> on his journey, he meets this beautiful woman named Rachel. And I mean, she's stunning. And he goes to her father and asks for her hand in marriage. And he agrees as long as he works seven years for him. So, Jacob agrees, works the seven years for for Laban, is the father's name, sorry. Works seven years for him, and the Bible records that it felt like but days because of how much he loved Rachel. Seven years come up. Jacob goes to marry Rachel. But in the night, Laban actually instead instead, um, gives him his eldest daughter, Leah. And uh, you guys, Leah had a much harder time in life than her sister, the Bible doesn't even do her any favors. Our description of Leah is she had weak eyes. <laughs> Our description of Rachel, and I quote, having a lovely figure and being beautiful. That's these two sisters. That's what we get as the reader of the Bible. Our description is beautiful, weak eyes. Yeah. <laughs> 
So guys, when Jacob wakes up the next morning, he's shocked and angry to find Leah in his bed instead of Rachel. And I tell you, those parties must have been wild for him not to have noticed at any point in the night. For the first time he noticed to be when you wake up in the morning, we can learn a thing or two, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> no, but when he confronted Laban, he went to him and said, what, what, what's going on here? Laban says, oh, well, in our culture, we don't, we don't give our youngest before our oldest, so you're going to need to stay married to Leah um, to keep to get Rachel, and then you're going to need to work another seven years. Sound good? Doesn't really have an option, so he, he does it. But the story goes on, insisting how much Jacob loved Rachel and how little he cared for Leah. For years, Leah's in this loveless marriage, bearing him child after child, trying to acquire a little bit of his attention. But he still only ever had love for Rachel. We get to see it. She actually names her children to try and gather his attention of what she's feeling. Uh, she, She births Reuben. The Lord has seen my affliction. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Simeon, the Lord heard that I'm unloved. <laughs> See you, unloved. See you. Levi, I hope my husband will be attached to me now. That's what these names mean. I feel like, like it's just crazy the, the amount of, of importance she was putting on these to try and get just a little bit of attention, a little bit of affection from Jacob. These poor kids got to live with those names. That's all, that's all I think about when I read that. But guys, it's, it's not actually until she stops and she turns her attention to God instead of her husband that she, and really puts her faith in him, that she really actually gets it. It says, verse 35, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So his name, uh, so she named him Judah then stopped having children. She had many more after, but not relevant to this story. Guys, Judah, meaning, you know, now I will praise the Lord. This poor woman, not only sold by her father into a false marriage in order to trick her husband into more work, she is now then stuck in this loveless marriage, always being second best next to not only her sister, but her younger sister. I can promise you guys, I can promise you that Leah felt like the least important person in her life. I can promise you that. But even in all of that, she found a way to trust in the will of God. And when she did, she ended up stepping into the lineage of Jesus. Judah, the son of praise, the son she had when she turned her eyes to God. He's Joseph's great, 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 grandfather. Guys, without Leah, there's no Judah. Without Judah, there's no Joseph. And without Joseph, none of this happens. We don't get a Christmas story. Guys, it wasn't Rachel. It wasn't the prized daughter, the one always first, the beloved one, the beautiful one, the main character. It wasn't Rachel. No, it was, it was only through the faith of an abused, underestimated, unattractive, 
mistreated, forgotten, and unloved woman to bring us Jesus. That's who God used. Not the star. Guys, you might sometimes feel like we are background characters. feel like our lives aren't glamorous. That nothing we do has a large impact. That does not make anything we do very less important. And to be honest, guys, that sentiment isn't even true. If that's what you're feeling, it's not even true. Because sometimes we aren't meant to be the person people see. Sometimes, you know, the the only thing that really matters, guys, in these moments is that God is using us to make a difference in the people around us. Think about how much background goes on in the church service. Coffee is made in the morning. Oh, thank God. (laughs) You guys, worship. Worship is planned, prepped, practiced, practiced again. They're here early. The the front entryway is cleaned. In the winter, the snow is going to be shoveled and gravel is going to be put down. Uh, The the water tanks are filled. The septic tanks are taken taken out. it's, It's crazy how much goes on in the background that we don't get to see that is crucial to running even a service. Joseph listened to the angel who brought him a direct message from God and he obeyed, not knowing the full consequences of decision. Guys, he did not fully understand and he could not see the whole picture and I'm sure he doubted every next move. Yet Joseph believed the Lord and did what the angel told him to do. Then he did the next right thing by marrying Mary. And then the next right thing. And he took step by faithful step, following God's lead and and just following him and, and watching him and letting God work through him while he raised Jesus. Guys, God often asks us to walk unknown paths and gives us only enough light to guide the very next step. And he trusts us to take it in faith to trust that he's going to be there to catch us. In the midst of the unknown, he lets us choose faith. As Proverbs 3 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, to lean not on our own understanding, because in all of our ways we are to submit to him, because he will make our path straight. This is what Joseph had to do. Guys, he wasn't granted the gift of a clear picture. But when he submitted to God's will and walked in obedience and faith, that's when we get to see this clear outcome. And we can take that into our lives and and we can see that and use that. And and, and God will then be able to use us in more ways than we could ever even ask, we could even think or even imagine. Just like me and that Moxie's, when we have faith, even when it seems like we've been abandoned and forgotten. Sorry, mom, I don't feel that way, I promise. (laughs) Even even when we can't see the whole picture, feel lost, we've got a chance to fulfill the plan God has for us. Even though I didn't know what happened in my family, I couldn't see the full picture, I didn't get the context, so they just simply missed me. I had the faith to wait and trust in the words that they told me that if this ever happens, you need to just wait for us because we will come back for you. That was what I had to trust in. And they did. They did come back for me. But guys, God's coming back for you. Some of the most faithful characters in this lifetime, they aren't even going to know they were until he does. 
they're not even going to know. Because the bottom line is we need to trust God even when we don't understand what we're going through. Even when we, when we feel overlooked, unimportant, and we can't possibly see a positive outcome in our lives, if we trust in God, if we bring our thoughts to him and our troubles to him and our problems to him and our concerns to him, he can use our faith to shape the very world we feel so insignificant in. Which in turn shapes and impacts the path of our eternity in heaven with God. Oh, guys, while, while Joseph might not have lived a life of glamour and importance here on earth, I have no doubt he is forever being celebrated for faithful step after faithful step in heaven for eternity. And one day, guys, you too are going to be rewarded for your faith, for the part that you played in not only your lives, but also in the lives of the people around you. Because when you think no one sees you, when you feel forgotten, when you feel unnoticed and unloved, guys, God sees you. He notices you. He never forgets you. He loves you. And his abounding love is more than we are even capable of comprehending. And all we need to do to earn it, because Lord knows we do not deserve it, is simply just put our trust in him. Put our faith in him, he, even when it's hard. And he's going to reward us more than we'd ever expect. Guys, Joseph didn't choose this path. And he likely never got to see the full picture of what the, the fruit of his faith really bore. Because Joseph's not mentioned much in the rest of the story of Jesus. Scholars believe Joseph passed away, actually, before jo Jesus really started his ministry. Jesus didn't really start his, his true ministry until he was about his 30s. And it's believed Joseph didn't even get to see him do that. So Joseph probably lived his whole life wondering. I mean, Jesus was an exceptional child. We see that. He grew up and, and blew people's minds. But Joseph never really got to see him save the people. Jesus came back as the king of the Jews, the savior. All Joseph ever knew was Jesus. I'm sure that was tough. He had faith. Leah, I know, you know she, she never knew. She got to heaven and went, wait, what? That's me? I did what? Guys, when we're willing to put our faith in God, put our trust in the plan that he has for us, even when it seems meaningless, even when it seems trivial, the outcomes are going to be amazing. God can use you as long as you're willing to have faith in the face of uncertainty. So with that, I want to pray. I invite you to close your eyes, bow your head, and really open your hearts. I'm going to just read us through a psalm real quick just to prep ourselves. And I... I pray you guys just take it all in because Jesus has some amazing things to say. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. 
Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in a shelter of a sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Guys, this is the blessing that God has for you when you put your faith in him. Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.